0: 2020, who'd like a mulligan on this year, a do-over, or a take a hard pass? It's been rough, but it's been rough for everyone in some type of way. And one of the ways I personally have had moments of frustration, sometimes depression, and lack of optimism is when I think about my past routines and traditions that I now know that I've taken for granted for in a bunch of different ways. The most obvious place that that has been for me is my love for amusement parks. Ever since I was a little child, I've been going to these places of fantasy to escape from the everyday life, the different types of things that I would have to deal with by being a child who was easily bored, especially. Growing up in Southern California, I spent most of my time in Knott's Berry Farm, Universal Studios, and some tiny little hole in the wall place called Disneyland. My parents who split when I was not even a year old Tended to enjoy spoiling me and taking me to these lands of amusement, definitely giving me this idea of thrill that thrill that came every time we'd go through the turnstile at these parks. Fast forward with me to 1994, and I found myself and my father moving to a town called Santa Clara, which, because I was originally from the Los Angeles area, I totally expected to be Santa Clarita, where Magic Mountain is. But it turns out, no, we moved to Santa Clara. where And that's where I've spent most of my uh, teenage and adult life, where the surfing wasn't as good in Santa Cruz. The only sports team around at that time were the San Jose Sharks. And the amusement park I had to look forward to was Paramount's Great America, which when I was in high school, it had a Paramount theme with wonderful rides, which we know as flight deck today. But back in the day, which I think they'll always be, Flight Deck was known as Top Gun. I remember I saved money, and when I was from the ages of 14 to 17, I would purchase an annual pass and go to Great America when it was open, especially right after school, headed towards summer. And it was wonderful. It was fun, but it was also kind of ghetto. If you went in the 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I, like many people, didn't go to Great America for years, as it seemed pretty run down and somewhat dangerous to be at. But then after Aaron and I became parents and we, we began to take our kids to different amusement parks, primarily in Southern California, we then eventually tried out Great America and we really enjoyed it as a family and loved that we could go to it and it was only within 10 minutes of our house. Not only did Great America start to step up, but enjoying the refurbished and new rides that Great America had with my now children was fun, exciting, and it was nostalgic in and of itself. But what they did really well, possibly better than the land of the big black mouse, was Christmas time. A few years back when we began as a family this new tradition known as Winterfest. And Winterfest is where you could enter Great America from about 5 p.m., on during November and December, and you'd be treated to fake snow, dazzling Christmas lights, and a photo with Santa. And there was so much Christmas theming, you felt like you were in a winter, winter wonderland in the middle of Silicon Valley. Every year, my family and I would go many, many, many times. We would enjoy the hot chocolate, hot chocolate. we'd ride the rides, all with this new decorations lighting up the night sky as we would enjoy the Christmas ambiance as a family. I had no idea how much I missed that until this November came. And my phone would start to show us pictures of us as a family enjoying Winterfest from the years past. Now, all of that was great. But the best part, at least for me, the tradition that we had to do every Christmas season, at least once, was watch the Snoopy Christmas Ice Show, where multiple Peanuts characters, including Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Lucy, and Linus, would ice skate while telling the Charlie Brown Christmas story and having musical numbers in between with amazing ice skaters as well. I'm usually the first to tease when Christians get so excited about trivial things like, Tim, listen, I was at Starbucks and you won't believe it, but right there while I was sitting in Starbucks, they were playing a song by Switchfoot. Can you believe it? Uh, for those of you who have no idea who Switchfoot is, Switchfoot was a band that was uh, was Christian that transi- uh, transitioned into uh, secular music around, I don't know, like 20 years ago. Can you believe that Starbucks is becoming Christian? Sometimes my friends would tell me. Slow down, Billy Graham. That's not how it works. Anything without a soul can't be Christian. Only thing that can be Christian is one who is redeemed by Christ and has inherited salvation. So I'm yet to meet a Christian dog or a Christian cat or a Christian restaurant or anything like that. But my point is that we get so excited because we're rooting for Jesus stuff to infiltrate this evil secular world. But my favorite part of Winterfest is that in the Snoopy Eye show, Linus, when describing what Christmas is all about to Charlie Brown, who thinks that everyone believes that Christmas is just about presents and materialism. He says it this way. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Thank you, Linus, for doing our scripture reading for us today. You all may be seated. This short clip represents one of the traditions I love most around the Christmas time. The gospel being presented, even at a theme park, is nowhere near the place you'd expect the real reason for Christmas to be presented. This conjures up nostalgia for me. It conjures up worship and praise I have for my God. And I am reminded so clearly that Christmas is not about presents and tinsel and snow, but it's about God's presence, his salvation, and grace. But I want you to look with me at what God said through his servant Luke to us, through a Charles Schultz cartoon, through a Charlie Brown and Snoopy eye show at Great America, and through this playlist today on Christmas Eve. Here's what he says in Luke chapter two, verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Speaking of a silent night, these shepherds were taking care of their sheep, minding their own business. And within their current context, they were about to witness, they were about to be witnesses to one of the most important moments in all of history. Verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. This scene could be one that would scare any and all of us. Silent night, minding our own business, and here is the glory shown of the Lord everywhere. What did this look like? I have no idea. But if we take Luke's words literally, it was a very overwhelming and scary sight to have all of this happening around them. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So, these shepherds who were minding their own business now were being spoken to by this celestial being, one that, at least in my mind, would also terrify. But the angel then says, Do not be afraid. That's easier said than done. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, I can get into semantics here and I can attempt to argue that this angel's proclamation, because I, I can argue against it, because it doesn't seem like all people are joyful because of Jesus, you know? There have been people since this time period that were scoffers and cynics and skeptics to if God actually became man. There were people who hated Jesus because he seemed to bend the rules and told them that their keeping of the rules did not justify them. 2,000 years after Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, there are and have been so many people that didn't believe at all that he even matters or was anything that special or important. But for those who would believe, as John the Apostle puts it in the beginning of his letter known as John in John chapter 1 verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For those who would believe, God gave the right, the opportunity, and the gift of becoming adopted by Him. This baby that was coming into the world was the inauguration of the law being fulfilled. He was the inaugurating grace personified. He was the initiating the opportunity for our belief in this baby who would grow up, live the life that we were unwilling to live, who would eventually go to the cross for the sins of many and physically and victoriously rise from the dead on the third day. It was through the birth of this baby that all of what God had foreshadowed and pointed to throughout the Old Testament was going to be fulfilled in God's only son. God didn't give us a list of rules that we would have to complete in order to earn our way to him. He took on flesh himself, being born of a virgin and the Holy Spirit, and he came into our reality. He fulfilled the law perfectly on our behalf. For those who would reach out to him, life everlasting was gifted to us. Not because we earned it, not because we fulfilled it, but because God in his grace and love made a way by coming to us. That's good news that all the people can find joy in. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel proclaims today on an actual day in history, one that can be found on your calendar if you go back far enough. On an actual day, in actual history, an actual event took place that would inaugurate a set of events that would provide the sacrifice for our sin that God would require for us to come into relationship with him. Today in the town of David, not only was this a day in history, but this is a town that still exists today. Not in a galaxy far, far away, not in Narnia, not in some special made up in the mind of a creative author, but in an actual town that's roughly 8,000 miles from where we are today. You can go there. You can walk around the ground in the airspace where this story that we're reading took place in the town of David, in the city of Bethlehem, as we read earlier in the chapter, is a Messiah that has been born to us, born to us, for us, and for God's glory. This Messiah has come into the world that he has created and to do what we could not accomplish on our own. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And if you have ever sinned, you will need what he is, a savior. You will need this baby who would grow up. You will need this helpless child that will be lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth. You and I are more helpless than we could ever imagine spiritually. And our helplessness will be helped in the person and work of what we see as a helpless baby. The gospel according to Matthew puts it this way. In Matthew chapter one, verse 21, she being Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name of Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It was once said by a, a pastor, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. Jesus came not to make us better, not to be only an example, not to bring us just teachings to live by, but from his birth and even before that, it was known that he would come to save his people from their sins. Not that we wouldn't sin anymore, but that we, that our sin would not be counted against us because of Jesus's, Jesus Christ's sacrifice and resurrection. Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Rome and puts it this way. In Romans chapter 4 verse 23, The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. For most in this time period of Jesus' birth, and unfortunately for many today as well, we believe that only good people go to heaven. Their righteousness was something to be attained rather than something that could be received by faith. So this works-based way of justifying oneself has been the consistent belief of a general public. But what the Bible confirms that society models is that no one is good, not even just one. As Paul quotes the psalmist David earlier in Romans 3, in Romans 3 verse 10 it says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, I don't want to make Christmas about how bad we all are, but I do want to accentuate how great Jesus is because his coming into his creation, God taking on skin, living among us, growing up like all of us do, except never veering from God's ideal for his life. Living perfectly amongst a broken and sinful world makes for the opportunity for you and I, who are messed up people, the ability to come in contact and relationship with our perfect God, not because of anything we've done to earn that right, but because of the beauty and the power of God's grace credited righteousness given to us. So let's end the passage that we're studying in Luke 2 verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on the earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what was the response to this baby being born on earth for these shepherds? Worship and praise and acknowledgement that God's blessing is found in God's Son. So the reason for the season is not at all what we tend to focus on, but my hope and my prayer for us this evening is that either we would turn to Christ for our right standing before God and stop attempting to be a good person in order to justify ourselves, but to receive the grace and love offered in Jesus. And my prayer for those of us who have already repented and know that as we are children of God, of God Most High, We would take a moment and thank God for his beautiful plan of redemption. A year ago, when we had our Christmas Eve service and we did all our general traditions as a family, I had no idea that a year later we would be celebrating Christmas Eve on YouTube and on Zoom. I didn't expect to be preaching in my living room. And with the past nine months being the way that they have been, I was really, really hoping we'd be able to celebrate in person in the worship center with a sense of normalcy. But one thing my old age has begun to instill in me is that taking things for granted is not the best way to spend the rest of my life. So I'm choosing to do the traditions that are still possible to do. We drove through Willow Glen. We've done a bunch of different things that we tend to do as a family. We've watched so many Christmas movies. And even if we can't go to an amusement park this year, even if that's not possible, I don't want to take for granted what God's offering us this year. For the first decade of my marriage to Erin, I got to experience what she had experienced for most of her life, which was joining grandpa and grandma on the in their little Methodist church on Christmas Eve, hearing the preacher tell a few stories and read some scripture, and then lighting a candle physically, not like what we did last year where we did this, but lighting the candle with actual fire. And then my favorite part was that one year, the pastor said, all right, light your candle. And then you were supposed to hold your candle and then you were supposed to hold hands with other people. It was awesome. But then we would sing Silent Night as a congregation. And this was one of my favorite traditions that I did with my wife and her family. But also we as a family would also go to Carl's Jr. and have dinner with grandma and grandpa. Uh, That's Hardee's for those of you who don't live in California. And even after grandma passed away, we'd still do that. Even after grandpa passed away, we'd still do that. And the last few Christmases that I've been the pastor of Church of the Valley, my family and I would continue the tradition and we'd go to Carl's Jr. So this year, even though we cannot eat our Christmas Eve meal inside of Carl's Jr., we can still go pick it up. We can still eat in our new home. And this year, we will eat it while watching the playlist as a family. And it won't be the same, but it'll be special. And I refuse to take for granted what the Lord is offering us today, even if it isn't what I would consider my ideal. So Church of the Valley friends, family, I want to encourage you to take stock of the past year, the ups and the downs, and to assess where God has and is growing you and to give thanks to the King who calls you his son or daughter because of his grace and mercy personified in Jesus Christ. May you get to have glimpses of normalcy this Christmas holiday. May you not take for granted the day that the Lord has made And may Jesus, the baby who grew up to be the King of Kings, who offers sacrifice for your sins, be praised and worshiped today, tomorrow, every day as the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Father, it's not the same. It's not the same to not be together. It's not the same to not be able to hug one another. But Lord, I don't want you to not get the praise that you're due. And so, Father, thank you that as a community, even if we're watching it on a YouTube playlist, you still get the praise that you're due through the singing of your people, through the offerings that we give, through the way that we want to live our life obedient to you because you are master and Lord over our lives. So, Father, thank you for what this season represents. Thank you that we get to celebrate King Jesus King. Thank you that this baby grew up. Thank you that he lived the life that we couldn't. Thank you that he died the death that we should have died. And thank you that he victoriously rose from the dead so that we could have life everlasting offered to us. May this season bring you praise through your people. And may your people at Church of the Valley be blessed by the fact that you are alive and you are good. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.